Well, good morning again. So good to be here. I, I, uh, when I talked with Pastor Mike a few, several weeks ago, and he shared with me that he was going to be taking a little time of a sabbatical, but normally when a pastor takes a sabbatical, he's out of here. <clears throat> but he's, he's, I found out last night he was going to be here. And I said, what are you doing there? You're supposed to be on sabbatical. But that's okay. Uh, but it's good, you know, it's good. I appreciate, first of all, I want to commend you as a congregation for encouraging that, allowing that. I, I really believe that um, that's, it's an important aspect for a pastor to be able to take some time and just kind of breathe and to uh, regroup and to recharge and to kind of get a fresh vision. I, uh, I've had the privilege over the years several years uh, to be able to fill the pulpit for pastors. I, a, a very close friend of mine, uh, or a young man I went to school with, actually a classmate of mine in Bible college, I was with him for a weekend of ministry, and, and while I was there, he was just, he was really going through a tough time just himself, personally, and in his ministry. And in fact, he was, he shared with me, Gary, I I'm going to take a two-month sabbatical. He said, I'm not sure I'll be coming back. He said, I'm just burned out. I just don't feel like I have anything left. And uh, so he said, would you, would you be willing to and able to, to fill my pulpit for me for the month of August? And uh, I already had a couple, some things scheduled, but I said, I just felt that, that I needed to do that. And I, so I said, I'll, I'll make it happen. So I I rearranged my schedule. I called the pastors I was scheduled to be with, and they were gracious enough to allow me to reschedule. And so I went and, and filled his pulpit for uh, the, the month of August. And it was a, it was a good church, not a, not an extremely large church, but a, but a good church. And and so I had the privilege of just being able to to speak into the lives, and I could tell that they really loved their pastor. They really loved him. They 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 they, they loved his ministry. And during that month of August, and then he was, he was gone, I believe, for, I, I can't remember, it was two months. And uh, I would speak to him occasionally, and I would just try to encourage him. And, and uh, when he came back, it was just like there was a transformation that took place in his life and in the life of the body of Christ. And uh, since that time, he, that church has just had a regrowth, it's had a resurgence. He has been refreshed in his spirit and God has worked through him that church is the healthiest it's been in its entire history and uh and I, I just it's a thrill when I've been able to see that kind of thing happen in the lives of a church because my heart is for the church I believe in the, the that God created and brought into existence the church for the purpose of bringing the body of Christ into a place and a position where they can make a difference for the kingdom of God. And that's why you're here. You're here to make a difference in the kingdom of God. Amen? And you are privileged to have uh, someone who has a tremendous heart for God uh, leading you. Uh, Mike and June are very special people, and uh, they have a heart for God and a heart for you. So I, I consider it a joy to be able to be here with you this morning. Um, 
uh, this is a, this, unfortunately, last time I was here, my wife couldn't come with me. She was, uh, she was sick, actually. This time, she's gone out of town, and next week she has to be at a conference in Dallas, Texas. So I, I said, they're going to think you don't like them. <clears throat> but that's just not the case, because she loves to spend time with uh, Mike and June, especially June. Not so much Mike, but <laughs> with June. And uh, thanks so highly of them. I want to take some time with you this morning. And, uh, you know, I, I've, I have spent a lot of time traveling in evangelism, and, and sometimes I tend to preach like an evangelist, and that's okay. But this morning, I want to, I really believe that God has been speaking into my spirit, into my life. And so, if it's okay with you, I just kind of want to talk to you about what God's been talking to me. Because I think that that makes a difference for us. And I, it's, it's, what I, it's what I know and what I feel. The Word of God says in the book of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul says, I ask the, Lord, I ask the God of our Master, Jesus Christ, the God of glory, to make you intelligent and discerning. Well, that's a big task, isn't it? <clears throat> to make us intelligent and discerning in knowing Him personally. Your eyes focused and clear so that you can see exactly what it is He is calling you to do. Grasp the immensity of this glorious way of life he has for his followers. Can you, can you just kind of wrap your mind around that to grasp this glorious, the immensity of this glorious way of life? We are living, or we are to live, a glorious way of life. All the other extravagance of this work in us who trust him Endless energy, boundless strength, I do more than thank. I ask the God of our Master, Jesus Christ, the God of glory, to do this in you and give you boundless strength. Well, I'll take that. I'll take that. Energy and boundless strength. Some of you just don't feel, you don't look like you're believing me here this morning. <laughs> Energy and boundless strength. Yahoo! All right, there we go. That's more like it. I just spent a weekend, a week, uh, a weekend ago. I just spent a weekend at a family reunion for my wife's family, and my daughter and son-in-law and my and three of my grandchildren were there. Now I understand boundless strength. And energy, because there's no way I was keeping up with those three. That was boundless energy that was taking place during that weekend. And so when we got back from that three days of vacation, I needed a week of vacation. In his book, Not a Fan, by Kyle Eidelman, if you have never read this book, I would certainly encourage you to find it, get it, read it. I, I started reading it again for the third time this past week. 
That's why I'm sharing it with you because every time I read this book, and it's just a small book, every time I read this book, it challenges me in my walk with Christ. Listen to the excerpt from this book this morning. In John chapter 6, Jesus is addressing a crowd that has likely grown to more than 5,000. Jesus has never been more popular. Word has spread about his miraculous healings and his inspirational teaching. This crowd of thousands has come to cheer him on. After a full day of teaching, Jesus knows the people are getting hungry, and so he turns to his disciples and asks, what all these people will do for food. I have preached on this passage multiple times. It's a great, it's a great story of the feeding of the 5,000. Philip tells Jesus that even with eight months' wages, it wouldn't be enough money to buy bread for everyone to have a bite. From Philip's perspective, there really wasn't anything that could be done. But another disciple, Andrew, has been scanning the crowd. He tells Jesus of a boy who has five loaves and bread and two, two small fish. Now we know Jesus takes the sack lunch, and with it, he feeds the entire crowd. When I was preaching junior high youth camps, how many know you kind of got to get down to their level, you know? I preached a message called, if your life was a lunch, what would you do with it? There's a lot of things that boy could have done with that lunch. He could have traded it. Boys love to trade. He could have sold it if he was an entrepreneurial boy. He could have left it on a stump and lost it. He could have eaten it himself because it was made for him. He did, he, he, there's a lot of things he could do. He did not have to give his lunch to Jesus. Well, but we know he did. Jesus takes the boy's sack lunch, and with it, he feeds the entire crowd. There, there are places in the Scripture, I, stories like this, folks, I, I would just love to have been there. I'm not sure I would have been one, liked to have been one of the guys that Jesus gave a little piece of fish and a, and a half a loaf of bread and said, now go feed 5,000 people but I would have loved to have been there. That had to be so awesome. In fact, the Bible tells us that even after everyone had their fill, there was still plenty of food left over. After the dinner, the crowd decides to camp out for the night so they can be with Jesus the next day. These are some big-time fans of Jesus. Remember that statement. The next morning when the crowd wakes up and they're hungry again, they look around for Jesus, a.k.a. their meal ticket. These fans are hoping for an encore performance. Eventually, they realize that Jesus is no longer there. By the event, and, and he has crossed over to the other side of the lake. By the time they catch up to Jesus, they're starving. They've missed their chance to order breakfast and they're ready to find out what's on the lunch menu. But Jesus has decided to shut down the all-you-can-eat buffet. 
He's not handing out any more free samples. In verse 26, Jesus says this to the crowd, and listen very closely this morning. I tell you the truth. You are looking for me not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves of bread and had your fill. Jesus knows that these people are not going to all the trouble and sacrifice because they are following him, but because they want some more free food. Some of you are probably not feeling really comfortable right now. Was it Jesus they wanted? Or were they only interested in what they, he could do for them? In verse 35, Jesus offers himself, but the question is, would he be enough? Jesus says in verse 35, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. And he who believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Suddenly, Jesus becomes the only thing on the menu. The crowd has to decide if he will satisfy or if they are hungry for something more. Here's what we read at the end of the chapter. From this day, many of the disciples turned back and no longer followed Christ. Many of the fans turned to go home. I was struck by the fact, Kyle Eidelman says, that Jesus doesn't chase after them. He doesn't soften his message to make it more appealing. He doesn't send the disciples chasing after them with a creative handout inviting them to come back for a build-your-own-Sunday ice cream social. He seems okay with the fact that his popularity has plummeted. Listen this morning. It wasn't the size of the crowd Jesus cared about. It was the level of their commitment. A few years ago, I stood over the remains of the great Persian city of Persepolis in the, in the country of Iran. <clears throat> Persepolis was a city built by King Darius as a spring capital. and was a place built for celebration reconciliation and building of good relationships I stood in awe as I realized that I was standing in the place where Queen Esther and the prophet Daniel would have spent much of their time as they served King Darius it was also brought to my mind the account of Daniel as and the stand that he took in his commitment to worship his God and only his God. Can I tell you today that as we worship in this sanctuary, that same scenario is being played out this very day in that same country and in countries like it in the Sudan, in Vietnam, in Ethiopia, across the world. People, are, believers are gathered in house churches, meeting in secret, in other ven venues, and the same threats and judgments awaiting them 
that Daniel faced. We have all heard about the atrocities that have been taking place around the world, especially to Christians. In fact, just two days ago, once again, it came out of the news that there was a group of Christians that were abducted uh, from Af in Afghanistan, and half of them were, were released, and the other half were taken away, and their fate is still not known. We know that the many thousands of Christians that have been slaughtered in the past couple of years, we understand what they're going through. We, we see the dilemma that is faced there. The very week that we landed in Tehran, the parliament of Iran was passing laws that said if anyone converting to any other faith from Islam was caught and convicted, the sentence would be death. And while we were there, we received word from the underground church. We couldn't even, we, we couldn't meet with any of the, the, the believers there in Iran at that time because it would, not because of our danger, but because it would have endangered them. But we received word from them while we were there. <coughs> and their word to us was <coughs> simply this. We are not afraid. We are willing to give our lives for the cause of Christ. We will not bend and we will not bow. Those are people who are not fans of Jesus. They're not looking for a free lunch. They are true followers of Jesus. They are the people who are going to stick with the stuff when the going gets rough. That actually rhymed, didn't it? <laughs> That's not even in my notes. I was so amazed and so impressed by what I heard from those people, and I can tell you today that that, that, that church is doing well. So as I stood there in the middle of the palace of King Darius, I was reminded of the proclamation after Daniel had been delivered from the jaws of the lion. In Daniel chapter 6, verse 26, it says, I issue this decree. This came from King Darius after, after he had looked down, called down into the pit of the lions and he said, Daniel, are you okay? Daniel said, all good. <coughs> King Darius said, get him out of there. And here was his words. I issue this decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. Boy, I wish we had somebody here in our country that was saying those words. For he is the living God. <clears throat> hmm. Not a dead God. He is the living God, and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His domination will never end. He rescues and he saves. How many believe that? He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and in the earth. I don't know about you, but I want to serve that kind of God. I can stand here today and tell you with certainty that the lions are roaring 
and they are burying their teeth all over the world today. I would love to tell you that those jaws will never taste the flesh of any believers, but I cannot. We know better than that. And that's not the promise of God. Just this year in India, they elected a new president. I just talked with David Grant, who has been a, in, in India all of, almost all of his life. In the month of April, I was in Wisconsin at their district council and had the privilege of hearing Hulda Bantain. Oh, it was just such an amazing woman. She and her husband gave, have given their lives, lives for India. The president, the new president of India has, after, immediately after he was installed as the new president, sent out this decree and had the laws passed that it, it was against the law with, with the penalty of life imprisonment if anyone would, would, would convert from Hinduism to any other faith. Several years ago, I sat at the table with five pastors, including the superintendent of our church's Assemblies of God in Vietnam. They had come over to talk with us about starting an online Bible college for training their pastors in Vietnam. And as we were sitting around the table, I asked the superintendent, how many of your pastors have given their lives for the cause of the gospel? His head dropped, and after a long silence, he raised his head and almost in a whisper simply said, far too many. But I just talked to a man at general council we were at last week in Orlando. He's a leader from Vietnam. He was there with Dave Reaver, and, and I, I was speaking with him, and he was interested in some things we're doing, and, and uh, he said, I can tell you, that the church, you know, instead of getting better and easier for the church in Vietnam, he said in the last couple of years, it has gotten far more difficult. But then, he, but then his eyes lit up and his smile grew big, and he said, but I will tell you, in the midst of all of that, the kingdom of God is growing and, and just thriving in Vietnam. Those are people who are not looking for a free lunch. They want to be followers of the true and living God. <coughs> the words of the psalmist David in the 20th Psalm has always been one of my favorites, and it speaks to this kind of people. Now this I know. The Lord gives victory to his anointed. Somebody should have said amen. amen. He answers from his heavenly sanctuary. With the victorious power of his right hand, some, this is my favorite verse, some trust in chariots and others in horses. But we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. They are brought to their knees and they will fall. But we will rise up and stand firm. Lord, give victory to the king and answer us when we call. I believe that's God. So what is the future? 
Where is the hope for people around the world in places like Iran, Vietnam, India, the Sudan? I just met with a young couple that are preparing to make their way to Sudan with their three children. Those are people who are not looking for a free lunch. They're, they're, they're going because they want to be followers of Jesus Christ. Another friend of mine from Wisconsin, I just was with him in their district council, and he is living a good church in Wisconsin, and, and because he feels that God has called he and his wife to go to <clears throat> Myanmar, which is one of the hardest countries in the world. They're not looking for a free lunch. They aren't ch chasing after Jesus because he's offering a free lunch. They're, they're, they're following after Jesus because he knows that he is the author and finisher of their faith. So what is the future for places like that? What is the future for America? Because I don't want to leave us out of this equation. Because whether you understand it or not, we are facing things that we have never faced before in this land. We are facing persecution and we are facing trials and tribulations and, we are, and there are more to come than we have ever known in our history. So where is the hope? Where is the victory? Where is the future? When I was in Iran, I stood in one of those shrines that, that, that crisscrossed that entire country. And in every shrine, there is, a, there is a, a, a casket of a dead body. And people will come from all around, and they will, they will, they will pray to that, to that casket. They will, they will, they will ask that, that casket, that, whatever that is in there, to try to help them. And while we were in Tehran, there, there's a mosque there that is known as the, the, you know, the grand poopa of all mosques. And we're standing in this big mosque, and there's this body of some important person that, that has been laying there forever. And, and, and people, we watched people coming in, and they were kneeling down, and they were wailing and weeping, and they were kissing the brass bars around that, and they were bringing their sick in, and, and, and laying it up against their hope. They're believing that that something can happen, healing can come, victory can come. They're asking for hope. And we've got our, our Iranian Muslim guide. His name was Mir Dat. And Mir Dat was a good, good young man. <coughs> and and he, we're, we're kind of standing around him. He's explaining what's going on in this mosque. And here were his words. He said, these people are, are expecting something from a dead body that only God can do. Oh. I, we just, what? You actually said that? When we were at lunch, I was sitting next to Mirdat, and I said, Mirdat, are you a Sunni or a Shia? And he said, I believe you. I can't remember. I think he said he was a, a, a Sunni. But he said, I'm not a religious person. I'm not a, I don't go to temple. I don't go to the mosque. I don't, I don't, I don't do the press. He said, I, 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 I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a secular. 
I said, why? He said, too many lies. I said, mere dot. I had my New Testament there. I said, if I would give this to you, would you take it and read it? He said, absolutely. When Mirdot said that, immediately it said to me, these people are desperately needing a new God. There have been too many lies, too many mistrusts, too many things that have caused them to lose their faith, lose their confidence in whatever God they were taught. I want to tell you this morning, church, we live in America, and we live in a land where there are thousands and millions of people that need a new God. They've lost faith. They've lost hope. Whatever God they were taught and raised to believe, whatever it was, it hasn't been working for them. Why do you think it's so easy for ISIS to come and claim the lives of many of our young people because their God has never been what they were told he would be. They need a new God. Our country is going, only going to be revived if we are able to bring them the God of, of, the, of, of, of the Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of reality, the God who makes things. You see, Moses faced this at the burning bush. I gotta hurry. <clears throat> Moses faced this at the burning bush when, when God had called him to go set my people free. And Moses said, Well, God, if I go, who do I say sent me? <clears throat> I don't know about you, but if I'd have been God, I'd have probably slapped him. <laughs> Seriously. You're asking, what? You said what? But God understood. God knew that the people of Israel, were, they had lost faith. They had lost hope. They no longer had trust in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob because they had been in captivity for hundreds of years. They had been slaves. They had been abused. They had been tortured. And Moses understood that. And so he's saying, God, who am I going to say sent me? And God understood. And what did he say? You go and tell them, that I am the God who makes things happen. Hello? The God who makes things happen. I'm, tell I'm telling you, church, the people of America, we need to bring them the God who makes things happen. Not the God of rhetoric, not the God of campaign slogans, I'm not, I'm not even going there. <laughs> and we know that Moses went and said, I am sent me. And God began to show them who he was. They needed a new God and they got it. And that's what we bring to our world. A God who actually does what we need him to do and what he says he will do. The persecuted church is saying, we are willing to give our lives to preach and live this gospel of peace. We are not looking for a free lunch. Our theme song is, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. 
I have just, all you young people, that's a brand new course, isn't it? <clears throat> no turning back. No turning back. The Church of Cuba, in a right recent conversation I had with one of our superintendents that I know well in Cuba said this, the Church of Cuba has thrived in adversity, but I'm not sure, listen, I'm not sure we're ready for prosperity. So I'm done. But here's the challenge I bring to you this morning. Are we following Jesus for a free lunch? Or if he is the only thing on the menu, is he really all we need? Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you speak into our hearts this morning? <clears throat> Lord, you've challenged me with this thought over the past several weeks. And I believe, Lord, it's a word that you're speaking to the church. And I ask you this morning, Lord, that you would speak into every heart and every mind and spirit in this sanctuary today. <clears throat> May we be willing to say to you, Lord, I don't want to be someone who's long for the free lunch. All I want is you. All I want is you. You're enough. You're enough for me. Lord, if there are people here today in this sanctuary who need to come to faith in Christ and they need to say, Lord, I, I, I need you. I need you. I can't go through this life without you. I can't walk without you, Lord. I need you. I need you to forgive me of my sin. I want you to be my Lord. I want to start a new walk today. Speak into our hearts today, Holy Spirit. While your heads are bowed for just a moment, <clears throat> I just need to ask if there are those here you're willing to say, I need to start following Jesus today. I need it. I need him. I need him in my life. Would you have the courage and would you be willing to just identify yourself to me so that I can pray for you this morning? Would you just slip your hand up and say, Gary, I need Jesus in my life. Now I don't want to walk out of here today without him. Just slip it up. Let me see it. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. I see it in the back over there. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am.
My prayer today, before I enter this service, was God, would you please allow us to encounter you? I don't want to just go through the motions. I don't want to just do church. Would you allow us to encounter you? Now for just a moment, I want to speak to those who consider yourself a follower of Jesus Christ. But this morning you realize that maybe you've just been following from afar. Or you've been just following Jesus for what he can do for you. Rather than just saying, you're all I need. I don't need anything else. If you're here this morning and that's, that's in your heart, there's something gnawing, gnawing about in your heart about that. And you just want to say, Lord, I want to surrender everything I have. I just want to follow you. you just stand up right now say that's me I need I need something new I need something new and those of you who raised your hands and said I need Jesus would you just stand with them just go ahead stand up come on you can do it don't be afraid Jesus wasn't ashamed of you come on Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. The musicians are going to do something for us here. And we've got a few minutes. So I'm going to ask everyone that's standing, as they begin to sing, just, just come and stand, stand here in front. And let's just take a moment before we leave this place and renew our lives to Jesus. Just come. Go ahead, Luke. Hallelujah. 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 If you, if you raised your hand this morning, you said, I need Jesus, would you just come and join these that are here? Come on. Come on, you can do it. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. This is my desire to honor you. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Hallelujah. I worship you. With all my heart. With all my heart. With all my heart. Come on, just make that your desire and your prayer and say, Lord, all that I do. Everything. All that I do. All that I do. I don't need anything but you. 
Lord, I give you my heart. Oh, God. Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. Yes, Lord, I do. I live Can you just make that real this morning? Make it real. Every breath that Every I breath. Take, every moment I'm away. Every moment, Lord. Every moment. Lord, have, have your, your way. Give you my soul. I give it to you. I live for you, you alone. Every breath that every I take, breath, every moment I'm, I'm awake. awake. Lord, have your way in me. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Have your way in me, Lord. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Lord, let us give our lives to you. Every breath, every breath that I take, every moment that I'm awake, Lord, I give my life to you. I give my life to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, we're here at this altar this morning. Because we are not satisfied with business as usual. Yes, God. We're not satisfied with just walking aimlessly through this life, saying Jesus is Lord, but we want to live like Jesus yes. is Lord. We want our lives to reflect the person of Jesus that when we walk down the streets of our cities and our lands, that people will say of us, as they said of the disciples, those people have been with Jesus. Yes. Lord, I pray for those who raised their hands this morning and said, I need Jesus in my life. I need you, Lord. I pray, God, that right now in this moment, they will simply say to you, Lord, I receive you in my life. Forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of for living my life my own way. I, that's, not, that's not doing well for me. And I need something better. I need you. The Christ that I've heard about this morning is the Christ that I want in my life. And I pray, Lord, that you will become my Savior. You will become my Lord. And I pray that, God, that you will help me to live my life pleasing to you. Not pleasing to myself, but pleasing to you. And I receive you today, Lord, as my Savior, as my Lord, as my hope, as my future. Lord, let that happen in them today. And they can walk out of this place with a renewed understanding that they are now a child of God. Lord, I pray for this body. I pray for these people that have come to this altar this morning simply saying, Lord, I need you to be all that I need. Yes, Lord. Oh, God. Yes. Oh, God. Let it happen. Let it happen. In Jesus' name, sing it again, Luke. And while he's singing it, you can make your way back to your seats and Pastor Mike can come. Lord, I give you my heart. Or you can stay. I give you my soul. 
Lord, thank you for this word, God, that we receive today. Lord, thank you for this opportunity, Lord, for this checkup, Lord, to see where we are with you. And Lord, we don't want to be found, Lord, just going after you because of the lunch. But Lord, we truly want to follow you and know you, Lord. And Lord, at the end of the day, people will say, we'll be able to save our lives. They've been with Jesus. Our lives will be marked by you, Lord. Followers of Jesus, give us a heart to follow you, Lord, with everything that we have. Help us, Holy Spirit, to remember Thank you, Lord. Use our life, Lord, this week as your followers, Lord. Help us to be your hands and your feet and your eyes and your ears and your mouth. Help us to be Jesus with skin on this week to those who do not know you, who do not know the living God. God, would you use us, Lord, this week for the glory of your name. In your name we pray. And all God's people say, yes. amen. God bless you. Have a great week. Hope to see you Thursday night for prayer.